I'm LeMay Higgs with Milfoss Ranch in Blanco, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, pasture and range conditions still look poor across Texas, but recent rainfall is helping. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There is reason to hope we might see interest rates come down this year. But for the time being, rates remain pretty high. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about the impact interest rates are having on Texas Panhandle producers. 2024 has started off better than the last couple of years in Texas. Pastures and rangeland have improved for livestock grazing. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report on Texas Ag Today. The American Farm Bureau Federation is focused on the passage of a new farm bill in 2024. I'm Michael Clements, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. This has been a good winter so far for precipitation across much of our state, but it's going to take more to get our pasture and range conditions back to normal. USDA's Brad Rippey says nearly two-thirds of Texas pasture and range lands are still rated poor to very poor. Texas coming in at the end of December, 65% very poor to poor. A little behind them is Oklahoma at 40%. And just adjacent to them, New Mexico coming in at 49%, very poor to poor. The winter moisture has helped winter wheat pastures look a lot better than in the recent past. Rippey says we currently have the best winter wheat crop ratings that we've seen in the past five years. We have seen mild conditions, so no sustained cold weather creating any problems for the crop. And in addition to that, we've seen the drought coverage in the U.S. winter wheat production areas decreasing. And here in Texas, we've watched drought conditions continue to decline throughout the fall and winter. Recent rainfall continues to ease drought conditions across Texas. According to the U.S. Drought Monitor, 39.2% of the state is suffering from moderate or worse drought. That is down four percentage points from last week and is 40 percentage points lower than three months ago. Only 6% of the state remains under extreme 
or exceptional drought. Extreme drought remains in central Texas near the Austin area and in far west Texas. Exceptional drought, which is the worst on the drought monitor's intensity scale, remains in Newton, Jasper, and Sabine counties in southeast Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We are now a little over six months into the new prescription requirement for some over-the-counter antibiotics for animals. Dr. David Sherbrin with Beringer Ingelheim says the transition seems to be going pretty good so far. You know, I think it, it was a fearful change by a lot of producers moving from over-the-counter to prescription for drugs such as the penicillins, the tetracyclines, um, scour, scour pills, uh, mastitis tubes. Uh, but, you know, I don't think it's caused a whole lot of issue. Uh, the, the key to a seamless transition with this with change from OTC to RX is just having a, a good veterinary client-patient relationship. So if, if the uh, producer has a very good relationship with the veterinarian, they can get that prescription that's needed to buy those products that were previously over-the-counter, and it should really not cause any bumps in the road as far as that's concerned. That's Dr. David Sherbrin with Beringer Ingelheim Animal Health. Interest rates remain high. James Hunt looks at the impacts those rates are having on Texas panhandle farmers and ranchers. Considering the budgets of Texas Panhandle producers, Texas A&M AgriLife Risk Management Specialist D.D. Jones says the input cost that concerns her most right now is interest rates. Two years ago, our farmers could get an operating line of credit, maybe pay 6-7% interest. This year, they're paying 9-10% to interest. And D.D. Jones says that 2-3% to increase has a huge impact on producers' bottom lines, especially considering that many of them have lines of credit of a million dollars or more. Jones also believes producers' thinking on things like herd rebuilding can also be affected. When mama cows are running $2,500 to $3,000 a head, and maybe you need to buy 30 or 40 or 50, and you've got to finance them at 9% interest, that's a big bite to take off. So I think it's discouraging some guys from rebuilding their cattle herd just because it is so expensive to borrow money right now. And as for row crop farmers' decision-making... Let's say they're trying to decide if they want to grow sorghum versus cotton or corn. Well, the input costs for cotton and corn are considerably higher than they are for sorghum. So if they can grow sorghum and borrow less money and save on that interest rate versus growing cotton or corn, that might be something that they look at that they wouldn't normally consider. Of course, the Fed has indicated that interest rate cuts could begin sometime this year. But in the meantime, with rates still high, Jones' advice to producers is... One, make sure you get a variable rate interest, which most of them have have for those short-term operating notes and then also anything that you can pay out of pocket try to do that because the more you get to the bank the more interest you're going to have to pay to the bank i'm james hunt on the texas farm bureau radio network recent rains across texas have helped improve conditions for texas ranchers tom nicoletti has more 
My guest in the Waco studio is Tracy Tomasek. He is Texas Farm Bureau Livestock Specialist. Tracy, here we are into the new year. Winter is a few weeks old, and the drought monitor for Texas has certainly improved with precipitation falling a little more regularly, and certainly that's going to be good for all livestock producers, cattle, sheep, and goats, and others. Yes, 2024 is off to a, a better start than the last couple of years. Our pastures and rangelands are in better shape in a lot of the state, but don't get carried away. The drought monitor shows improvements, but we all know it takes time for uh, grasslands and forages to recuperate and to get productive, and the winter season's not a good time for that to happen. Now, it is winter time, so many producers are supplementing their uh, livestock with the hay that they've stored and produced. What's the livestock situation from what you're hearing from producers? Producers are still pretty short on forages from their summer and spring hay crops in 2023. So they're being very strategic in how they're utilizing uh, those supplies. Luckily, prices softened a little bit for forages and protein supplements. So moving into the winter, that has been a little bit of relief from the previous couple of years. I think the other thing to note is that these rains that we've had over the last couple months in the areas that routinely and historically plant small grains for winter grazing, they're doing pretty good. They've off to a good start. The mild temperatures that we've experienced so far have allowed those crops to grow and have uh, allowed for grazing, not only for cow-calf herds, but but specifically for these higher-priced uh, stocker cattle that are being turned out on, on wheat and, and oats. That is Tracy Tomasic. He is a livestock specialist with the Texas Farm Bureau. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The American Farm Bureau Federation is focused on the passage of a new farm bill in 2024. Michael Clements has that story from Washington. The American Farm Bureau Federation has a myriad of policy priorities for the new year. AFBF President Zippy Duvall says the top priority is getting a farm bill passed in 2024. Well, it's critical that Congress pass a bipartisan farm bill early this year. We can't afford any further delays in getting an updated farm bill that would address our modern challenges facing our farmers and ranchers across America. Farm bill matters well beyond the farm. It addresses food security, sustainability, to nutrition programs. And all of these programs benefit the nation as a whole. AFBF will host the American Farm Bureau Convention January 19th through 24th in Salt Lake City, where other 2024 priorities will be established. The priorities will be determined by our voting delegates later this month at our annual convention in Salt Lake City. But we will continue to work with Congress to address the labor challenges facing our farmers. We have a labor shortage and unsustainable wage rate hikes that really are the biggest limiting factor to the growth of American agriculture. We also need to create new and expand the current trade agreements. And we have resolved to keep defending farms and ranches from the burdensome overreach of regulations from our federal government. Duvall says there's still time to plan your trip to attend Farm Bureau's annual convention. At this convention, it'll give them a great opportunity to hear from inspirational speakers, fellowship with other Farm Bureau members, and even become a new member of our organization. We have a great story to share about agriculture, and that story will be on full display at Salt Lake City. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. A new proposal would require all Texas turkey hunters to report their harvests. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And equine metabolic syndrome is a major cause of laminitis in horses. 
veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Equine metabolic syndrome is a major cause of laminitis in horses. Dr. Bob Judd says it's related to levels of insulin in the horse's blood. Dr. Eleanor Kellen indicated on her blog that we may be missing out on some good hay because some labs consider fructan as a sugar, and it is not. Horses that have insulin resistance are susceptible to developing laminitis, and generally we believe these horses need to be on a diet that contains less than 10% non-structural carbohydrates, or NSCs. Most labs consider NSCs to be made up of ethanol-soluble carbohydrates, also called ESCs, or simple sugars and starch, and the diet should be less than 10% of these ingredients. However, some labs include fructans as a sugar, and it is not a sugar. If you include fructans in the calculation, there are a lot of haze that may not be considered safe when they may be safe for insulin-resistant horses. There are several studies indicating that fructans do not have an effect on insulin resistance, starting with a herd of 106 mixed-breed ponies on pasture for a year, and they found there was no increase in fructan in the pasture on the horses that developed laminitis. The 2016 study involved 446 animals on pasture for three years and found the most reliable indicator of laminitis developing was the insulin level in the blood. They also found that fructans do not increase insulin, so the level of fructans is not significant. Very large doses of fructans were shown to cause laminitis after being administered by a stomach tube, but this is a very unlikely scenario, and the laminitis was caused by upsetting the intestine and not related to insulin. There are also documented cases of high fructans in the pasture, and none have caused laminitis. So if you're trying to decide on an appropriate hay for your horse, the fructan level seems not to be important, and only the ESC and starch levels should be below 10%. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new proposal would require all Texas turkey hunters to report their harvest. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Texas turkey hunters statewide may be required to report their turkey harvests in the 2024-2025 season. Sean Oldenberger, Small Game Program Director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, discussed the potential regulation change with the Parks and Wildlife Commission. One thing we've discussed internally is our small game harvest survey and our current ways of measuring harvest in the state. We don't really get really good data when it comes to measuring some of the things that we have as annual bag limits, for instance, like wild turkeys. We do have some mandatory reporting like those one gobbler areas also in the eastern area. Um, but one thing we have discussed is uh, basically expanding mandatory reporting through the My Texas Hunt Harvest like you currently do with your digital licenses to all wild turkey seasons. Currently, hunters in one gobbler counties must report their harvest via the My Texas Hunt Harvest app. 
If approved by the commission, this would require hunters statewide to report their harvests. In a realization of going to all seasons with wild turkey and mandatory reporting, it actually simplifies things because then you don't have to realize where you're going to be mandatory reporting where you're not. Uh, just if you harvest a wild turkey, we would require mandatory reporting. Oldenberger says receiving information from hunters about their wild turkey harvests via the app would help the department as it continues to manage the species in Texas. Mandatory reporting and wild turkeys would also help us have immediate information. It's our small game harvest data. That gives us an estimate of the previous spring season about 18 months afterwards. So we can't really manage the species that well with regards to that harvest information. The proposal is informal at this time. TPWD staff are expected to present it to the Parks and Wildlife Commission later this month. If approved at that meeting, the proposal will be published in the Texas Register, opening a public comment period. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures dropped off as we wrapped up the week. Friday, finishing lower on both live and feeder cattle. February live cattle down 55 cents, 170.57. April down 90, 173.40. With June live cattle down a dollar, 170.55. Same thing on the feeders. January feeder cattle down a dollar 55, 223.12. March down a dollar 50. 224.15 with April feeder cattle down a dollar fifty two twenty nine seventy seven. Cash fed cattle market was quiet all during the week here in the Southern Plains. We did not see any sales. Perhaps we had something over the weekend. We'll bring that to you as soon as we hear about it. But nothing in the South to report right now. Up north, they did have some sales. One seventy five live, two seventy five dressed. Those sales two to three bucks higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef was higher on Friday. Choice up a dollar ninety-eight, two seventy-seven eighty-eight. Select up twenty-nine cents, two fifty-nine eleven. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. This is Carl Herman's report from right before the holiday. Now we'll get a new one for you tomorrow because Carl and his family have started up selling after the new year started. Carl, how was that last sale before your holiday? You know, we had a really good sale yesterday. Had over 900 hit for 131 consigners and 42 buyers on a steady calf market and cow market. Uh, We had 125 cows and bulls yesterday. 
Slaughter bulls, 40 to 110. I mean, slaughter cows, 40 to 110. Slaughter bulls, 85 to 115. Stalker cows, 800 to 1450. And pairs, 1200 to 1750. On the calf side, on the steers, two three-weight steers brought 265 to 340. Three or four weights, 267 to 340. Four to five-weight steers brought 250 to 295. Five to six weights, 220 to 280. Six to seven weights, $2 to 242. And the seven to eight weight steers, 185 to $2. Uh, on the heifer side, two to three weight heifers, 250 to 335. Three to four weights, 240 to 320. Four to five weight heifers, 235 to 275. Five to six weights, 210 to 255. Six to seven weight heifers, $2 to 212. And didn't have any uh, big seven to eight weight heifers. So, uh, overall, really had a good day. A lot of good cattle, more cattle than I thought we were going to get yesterday. So, uh, that's always a good thing. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Carl Herman. Okay, my number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're in the Giddings election area, call Max Ebner at 540-8676. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And neighbor, come tomorrow. We'll have more auction reports for you, including Carl after his sale today. You're listening to us on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening to Walk in the Pens right now on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Where lean hogs finished higher on Friday. February hogs up 95 cents at an even $70 a hundred weight. April hogs up $1.42 at 76.37. Class 3 milk was lower on Friday. January milk down 14 cents, 15.12 a hundred. February milk down 8 at 15.54 a hundred weight. Cotton market finished slightly higher. We did have an export sales report released Friday morning. It did not look good. However, the market did manage to close a couple of ticks higher. March cotton up 7 points, 80.19 cents. May cotton up 3, 81.35, with July cotton up 3, 82.15. Corn market continues to move lower. No real news to support the corn market right now. And we've got that record crop and that ending stocks here in the U.S. at five-year highs. So that continues to keep pressure on the market. March corn down five and three quarters at 460 and three quarters. May corn down five and three quarters, 473 and a quarter. Wheat market finished a couple of cents higher on Friday. March Kansas City wheat up two and a quarter, 628 a bushel. March Chicago wheat up two and a half at 616. In the energy markets, February natural gas up a nickel, 287. February West Texas crude up a dollar 59, 73, 78 a barrel. The financial markets were slightly lower Friday afternoon. The Dow down 22 points, 37,418. The Nasdaq down 20 at 14,489. The S&P down one point at 4,686. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.